My name is Kevin. Uh, I am one of the uh, folks on the board here uh, at New Life. Uh, as you may or may not know, when you are between pastors, uh, one of the roles of the board is to uh, do what we call pulpit supply. It's to make sure that you have somebody who can bring a message each week. Uh, and in order to allow the board to sort of focus on both finding a new pastor and also dealing with some of the stuff that just happens day to day around the church, uh, I'm going to be doing a series over the next uh, several weeks. And uh, this series is one that I call A Crisis of Context. I now, I am. Would you try again? Apparently, Siri has a crisis as well. Sorry about that. So. <clears throat> Nothing to throw you off your game like technical difficulties, is there? Um, where was I? Oh yeah, crisis of context. So, so I am not a pastor, um, and I don't even play one on TV, but uh, I have learned some things over the years, and I'd like to share them with you, and, and hopefully you are going to hear what God wants to say through me, not what I want to say to you. Uh, but, but something I have discovered over the last several decades uh, is that people seem to be more and more averse to the concept of context. Um, you may have noticed this if you've ever been on any social media, ever, uh, but also if you just read the headlines, right? It, it, it used to be that a headline would actually tell you, a study has shown X, and, and now you don't even get that. It just says, does a study show X? And then you have to like click on the article and either they'll sell you a subscription or try and show you ads or something. Right? But, but a lot of that context gets lost. And if you've been paying any attention to politics, you've probably noticed that politicians are pretty good at just leaving out the context of whatever it is they might have otherwise wanted to show you. It's also true when you read any kind of a news story about some corporation is doing something, right? There's a lot of context that gets lost. B but what I find most disturbing is when you see this happen with the Bible. When people take some random verse completely out of context and, and they use it to try and make a point. For example, uh, I was a while back, I, I was sort of walking through and, and, and looking at different things and I ran across this inspirational calendar. It was a calendar that had all of these inspirational Bible quotes. And there was this Bible quote that said, if thou wilt, uh, therefore wilt worship me, all shalt be thine. Okay, fine. That might sound inspirational unless you know the context. Because if you know who it was that said that, it is slightly less inspirational. Or rather, it's inspirational in a very different way, right? So, so uh, by the way, I rarely approve of, uh, uh, or, uh, I, I rarely recommend the use of the King James Version in, in a setting like this, but uh, it, it made the point so much better than, than I could make uh, uh, in another one. So anyway, that, that, I, I digress. Th this series is all about context. And so I figured I might as well start this series in the beginning, because, you know, most places start there. It's the logical, appropriate place to start. And for me, that is the Bible. I want to spend the first part of the series talking about the concept of reading the Bible in context. Uh, you know, what does that mean? What does that look like? Why is it important? You know, th those kinds of questions. And, and I think an easy way to introduce the concept is to start by asking the question, how many of you have heard the phrase, the good book, right? To refer to the Bible, yes, I said, yes. People have heard this. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. 
I'm actually not a fan of this phrase. Now, now don't get me wrong, I don't think the Bible isn't good. It's just that the word book carries a very specific connotation to the modern reader, right? Something a little different th th than we might have expected, right? When we think of a book, we think of a cohesive narrative, we, we think of a single voice, um, typically it's written by a single person, and that doesn't really describe the Bible. I don't think it's a very good way to think of the Bible, or rather I think there's a better way to think of it that allows us to get a lot more out of it. Let's start with the word Bible. Does anyone know what the word Bible means specifically to the people that chose it to refer to the Bible? Anybody happen to know? It means little books. Now, technically, if you want to get into the full derivation of it, it's, it's from the Greek biblion, and that, that is a diminutive form of biblios, uh, uh, which means like book or papyrus. It, it comes from the name of the town where they made the, the, the papyrus paper, but, but that, that's sort of beside the, the, the point. So, so maybe instead of thinking of the Bible as the good book, we can think of it as the good library. And before I get too far, I, I want to make sure I, I don't spread a misunderstanding here. I, I'm not meaning to imply that I think the Bible doesn't have a cohesiveness in its message about God or salvation. That's not at all what I'm saying. I, I'm just saying that I think there are better ways to think about it. There are people that think that way, but, but I, I, I suspect it's because they don't understand the context. So, so, so over the next several weeks, um, I want to start looking into the context of a lot of different pieces of the Bible. So let's start by, by you know, where, where the average person would look. If, if I'm looking at the Bible, I may notice that it's made up of several books, right? So, so how many books are there in the Bible? Anybody know? 66, if you count like us. 66, yes, okay, for, for, for our particular uh, 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 derivation, yes, 66 books. Very good, very good, okay. Um, now, these 66 books were not all written in the same day, or the same year, or the same century, or even the same millennium, right? They were written over a vast expanse of time. They had different authors, right? And we tend to divide them into two categories so that when we're reading it, we understand the context, right? What are the two categories we tend to divide the Bible into? This is not a trick question, it's very obvious. Old Testament. Yes, Old Testament and New Testament, very good, exactly, yeah. So, so, so far you have 100% on the quiz you did not know you were going to get when you came in today. Yes, we have the Old Testament and the New Testament, that's great. So what does the word testament mean? Promise. Oh, promise, very good, yes. The word testament, you could think of it as a covenant. When you see testament, think covenant, think promise, think contract, right? These are, the, these are the kinds of words that we can use to describe it. So when we're talking about the Old Testament and the New Testament, the context here is the old promise, the old contract, the contract between God and the Israelite people. When we talk about the New Testament, we're talking about the new agreement. We're talking about an agreement between God and who? Everybody, us, you, me, right? That, so, so, so that's not to say that everything in the Old Testament is useless because the agreement with God and us is in the New Testament. That's, that's not at all what it's supposed to be about. But it does give us a different 
in context when we're reading scripture. So for example, I, I know people that really like to take specific passages in the Old Testament, completely devoid of their context, and use them to try and convince me I need to live my life a certain way. And every time that happens, I have to remind people that if you go back in the book of Deuteronomy, there are a whole bunch of things you are not supposed to be eating. I mean, I look at this list and I'm like, I, I've never eaten a rabbit. Okay, that's just, I've never eaten a rabbit. But pig? Are you telling me I can't have bacon? Is a life without bacon worth living? I mean, I can understand a life without lobster. Who wants to eat like a cockroach in the ocean? But, oh, sorry, I, I know some of you like lobster. I, uh, I also like the taste of butter. Uh, sorry, no, this old, old comedian, sorry. And anyway, so, so, so when we look at things in their context in which they're written, it makes a lot more sense what should and should not apply to the context we live in, right? So for example, I grew up in California, in Bakersfield, in a desert. In that context, when I was reading about the stories of like the flood, I would think, how could 40 days of rain cause so much flooding? Because the only rain I had ever experienced was drizzle. After the last few weeks in California, my context has changed. I think of things a little bit differently, and I start to go, oh yes, I could see some of the worst rains we've had have caused quite a bit of flooding. Imagine that amount of rain over a month, like, okay, yes, this is starting to make sense to me. So, so when we look at the Bible, we look at it in context. So, so you know, you, 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 you can kind of think about it as an onion, right? You, tar you start with that, that top skin of the onion, you peel it back, there's different books. Each book has their own context. There's a couple of different agreements, a couple of different covenants. Each of those has their own context. Now, biblical scholars will further divide the Bible into several categories. Um, now, I'm going to pick a few of them that, that we're going to talk about. You, you, you could make a case that there are other ways to divide it up. But, but for now, let, let's go with this, right? So the first category is this, this section called the Pentateuch. It's a fancy Greek word. It just means five books, right? This is the Torah, the Hebrew Bible. When you read through scripture, and you'll see Jesus say something like, you know, as was written in the law of Moses, or, you know, the book of the law. This is what it's talking about. That's that first five books of the Bible. This is the actual agreement between God and the Israelites. That is its context. So when we read things from that section, it's important to understand that's its context. The next section is a section of historical books. These categorize and chronicle the history of the Israelite people. As the Israelites emerge from slavery in Egypt, go through the desert in Sinai, and spread out into the promised land to become a nation, that's a different context than the law, than the agreement. So when we're reading through those areas, it's important to understand that context. You know, again, the onion metaphor, you're peeling back another layer. Now, after the historical books, there's a whole section on, on poetry, you know, the poetic books, which is kind of misleading because this includes this concept of wisdom literature. And wisdom literature is absolutely awesome. Uh, it, the context here is advice for how to live and thrive at any point in time, right? This isn't specific. The context is it's written at a time by a person in an era 
in an area, but it does apply to us when we understand, oh, this is general life advice. And whether you're a Christian or not, there's a lot of great stuff in the, in the poetic books just based on the wisdom literature that's been collected over, over years. Um, the next section that, they, that, that uh, scholars tend to divide the Bible into is this section called the prophets. And these chronicle the life and events surrounding the various prophets to the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah. And each of these prophets has a specific context, right? Uh, the word prophet, it doesn't mean like, you know, to predict the future. It means to speak for God, right? A prophet is one who speaks for God. So if we're reading through any of the books that are in this section of prophets, we need to understand the context. Who is God choosing to speak through? What, what is their life circumstance? Who is God speaking to through these people, right? Because that's a very different context. When was this done? When was this written? What, what, was the, what was the society context? You know, who was the major enemy of Israel? You know, was Israel being enslaved by someone? Was Israel trying to enslave somebody, right? Like, so what is the context that's going on there? Each of the prophets was written, you know, or each of the books in this section was written about the life of somebody that God chose to speak through to a specific people at a specific time about a specific set of issues. Understanding that context allows us to really have a better idea of the nature of God because we're less focused on the nature of us as we're reading through it, right? Uh, the next section that, that you know, the Bible tends to get divided into is the section about the Gospels and the Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles. This is the beginning of the New Testament, the new agreement. Here is where we see the agreement God makes with everyone, right? This is the new covenant, the New Testament. So this section chronicles the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and the beginning of the Christian church. So as we think about what was life like to the first Christians, right, when this, this whole movement first began, what did that look like? This is the place where we can see how God chooses to speak through his church and how God chooses to reveal himself physically in the form of Jesus. And the, the next section, the last section that the Bible tends to get divided into is a section of letters. And these are letters that are written by important people in the course, you know, in, in the church around the time that the church is first being formed. And it's important to understand the context of these letters, right? It's not necessarily the agreement. It's somebody who knows the agreement really well, who is trying to explain it to a certain group of people at a certain time, in a certain town, with a certain context, right? And the more we understand about the context of the people that it's written to, the more we can figure out how to see the nature of God revealed through the writing rather than imparting our own nature, right? I like to think of it as a filter, right? If you've ever seen a photograph taken with a, with, with a filter, depending on the filter you use, the same picture can come out looking very, very different. And if you use Instagram filters, crazy, but I digress, right? So, so, so Every single one of us has a filter, and that filter is our experiences, our life, everything that we have lived through. 
When we read scripture, or, or even when we see the world, we're seeing it through our filter. The filter, it's the only way we can, right? It, it, we, we see it through the filter of our experiences, our understandings, and our beliefs. But if we take the time to examine the context of scripture, we stand a much better chance of hearing the truth from God rather than distorting it through our own lens. So, so over the next several weeks, uh, I would like to explore a lot of these different sections of the Bible and to delve into specific scriptures and to sort of take the time to understand the context, the historical context, the societal context, and see what was going on when these particular writings happened. And then try and take that context and look at it in the context of our modern society, right? Was there something similar going on at that time to what we see here? You know, oh, hey, when this particular writing was written, there was a very divisive set of political opinions in the area. Gosh, if we look at that from a modern perspective, I can't imagine what that would look like, right? So, so it's this idea of understanding the context. That's what I'm hoping to, to sort of walk us through over the next several uh, weeks here. So my, my hope is that as we do that, we begin to transition away from thinking about the Bible as just, you know, oh, everything in here has one specific context, but rather to think about it as a library. One of the cool things about a library is if I need something specific, some specific knowledge, some specific wisdom, some specific understanding, the more I know about how the library is arranged, the easier it is for me to go to that shelf and find that book that I need right now. So that's my, that's my hope and that's my goal. For, for what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks here. So uh, let me pray for us. God, I know it's not always easy to hear a message from somebody who's not a career pastor. Uh, a lot of times it, it, it comes across as just, you know, somebody's opinion. And, you know, the reality is every message I bring comes from my own experience and my own study. But my prayer for the next several weeks is that you would speak through me to each person here in their own context. Whether they're here in this room, whether they're watching the stream online, meet them where they are in their context. Help us all to get a better understanding of who you are, what you're trying to tell us. I also pray for our pastoral candidate. Having to miss a job interview because you're sick has got to be unbelievably stressful. Not to mention the stress of just being sick, not knowing when you're going to get better, not being able to deal with all the family obligations that you have. God, I pray that you would bring your peace and your comfort emotionally, spiritually, physically to our candidate and her family. And we pray that we would use this time when 
things haven't exactly gone as planned, to be more prepared, to take the time to listen to you, to hear what you have to say, both us and the candidate. I also pray for all of the flooding that's been going on here in California. We know that some of the people very close to our church are being pretty impacted by the flooding. God, would you keep people safe? Would you help reduce damage? Would you help all of us to be willing to do what we can to assist people, to come alongside people, and I pray that over these next few weeks, you allow us to really focus on the different contexts for these books and to understand things better. In your name, amen.